We have several. Parenting your grown child will meet in the choir room. That's the group I'm leading. Every Christian can counsel is Rosemary Moscarelli. She'll be meeting in Mike West Sunday School Room, uh, room 202. Uh, prayer mentoring by Pastor Ricky will be meeting in room 211, which is back that way. Uh, persevering when your kids aren't saved, Pastor Scott's in 205, also back that way. Teens are not required to rebel, Dr. Homer Heater, room 207. I believe that's uh, Max and Arlene's class, Max Shearer's class. And uh, Homer, you never dreamed when you made that one statement in the Jeremiah study that it was going to grow into a whole seminar tonight, did you? All right, all right. And then um, guiding your kids with God's word, Pastor Todd in room 214. So they're all back in here, and you can find them and... Uh, Enjoy your time together. Those will be good, some good studies this evening in our breakout sessions. Uh, tonight, uh, Brother Todd is going to come and open our plenary session and be our uh, teacher for this uh, period of time, talking about studying and teaching God's Word at home, at home. And so after we pray, he will come and share with us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. Father, thank you for our time together this evening and Lord, just for what uh, transpired this morning in worship. We thank you for being present with us, O oh Lord. Now teach us and instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Try to do a better job this, this evening with the uh, PowerPoint than we did this morning, so we'll see how that goes. Um, before we get started tonight, I did want to um, just throw a couple books at you and highlight a few that we had out there on the resource tables. I know sometimes you don't get a talk, and we had several people asking questions. We put several out there this week, or not this week, tonight, that, um, that are focused more on the sufficiency of Scripture and counseling and biblical counseling. One of those is Seeing with New Eyes by David Pallison. Uh, David Pallison is the head of CCEF, a counseling ministry that many of you may be familiar with. Uh, but he is a really gifted writer. Uh, he's very theologically sound and, and talks about just counseling scripture. Uh, and he, in here, he goes through and, and shows you how to use the book of Ephesians to counsel pretty much in every situation. He says that, that if you have to know one book, then Ephesians would be it. And he said you can just do your, your whole counseling ministry out of Ephesians. So uh, a really good book, a good read, um, and an easy read. It's not a real complex. He, he's got a great writing style. Also, we have out there for you guys who aren't great um, or don't really like to read, not necessarily you're not great readers. That sounds a little negative, doesn't it? Um, but some CDs on manhood. So some of you men who travel a lot, especially, this is Be Strong and Show Yourself a Man. It's a, it's a compilation of six messages on biblical manhood that we uh, put together. These aren't, these aren't ones that we preached. Uh, some of them are done by uh, Randy Stinson and some other guys that, um, that are focused on manhood. And so if you would like one of these, these are free. Uh, there's four or five back there. Or you can have this one and, and take it home with you. And then finally, Building a God-Centered Family, uh, a Father's Manual by Matthew Henry. A lot of you are familiar with Matthew Henry's commentary. And if you, you know, it's kind of a, a commentary that's been used for years and years and years. And uh, this is just a, a great little book, uh, men, that, that really goes through and gives you a great perspective on what it means to, to, leave a, or to lead a Christ-centered 
uh, home. So I highly recommend that to you as well. All right. Well, tonight we're going to look at something, and I'll be honest with you, we kind of went back and forth. Tonight's plenary session is one that we originally had as a breakout session when we were doing our initial planning. And it's going to, what we're going to look at is, is teaching the Word of God at home. How do, we, how do we study God's Word, and then how do we teach it when we're at, at, in our homes? Um, it's something that I, th- I think sometimes, quite honestly, we take for granted uh, as pastors and leaders that you just know how to study God's Word. And we do uh, ourselves and you a disservice by taking that for granted. So um, as we approach this, I, I was thinking, you know, some of you surely are, this isn't going to be anything new to you. And I hope that's the case. I, I would love it if everybody in here walks out of the doors to the breakout session and goes, man, I, I knew that. that. That would be great. That would, that would mean that we have really trained you guys and you know and you're, you're competent to just jump in and study the scriptures at home. And so I hope that's the case, but it may not be. And so since it may not be, we wanted to deal with that in a, in a large group teaching time and spend a little bit of time just looking at how do we study God's Word at home. A lot of you know that I started doing some, uh, some coaching over the last year and a half, and not for the Lakers or anything. They haven't called, but I'm waiting for their call um, to you know, give Calipari some relief. But, um, you know, we, I got into it just basically as an excuse to spend time with my kids, to be honest with you. Uh, I like sports, but I'm not a coach. But one thing that I've learned in coaching, I learned this even more so with basketball, is that, um, that y- you can tell somebody something over and over and over again, and, and they'll look at you and go, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. And then you get out on the floor, and something radically different happens, you know? And um, it, I, I remember one morning, I was kind of, it was kind of one of those things, you was just like, oh, man, it just isn't happening. And I was laughing, Mark Fothergill and I were talking and laughing about it, and and he said, well, let me tell you what. So I was telling some things I was telling him in the huddle. I was saying, you gotta, guys, you got to box out. You, you know what to do. Stay on your man, you know, and pass the ball. And he said, well, you know what? Listen, when I went in the first NBA huddle I was ever, uh, you know, in and a part of, you know what the coach was telling you? You wouldn't believe it. And I said, what? You know, I'm thinking it's something profound. He said, box out, guard your man, and pass the ball. And I was thinking, man, this is what I was telling our second graders, you know. And so the, the reality is a lot of times we know what to do. Any of you in here that are familiar with basketball, you would know that those are essentials that you have to do if you're playing the sport of basketball. The guys in the NBA know that. They're, it's not like the, the coach tells LeBron James that and he goes, oh, boxing out, really? Man, thanks. You know, he knows that. The, the question is, is he doing it? Is he executing when he gets on the floor and when he gets in the game situation? So sometimes we know what to do, but we don't really know how. And even if we know how, sometimes we just don't execute and we don't do it. The reality for us as, as believers is that our homes are intended to be filled with the Word of God. We talked about that this morning. Our homes are intended to be filled with the Word of God. So here's the truth we're going to start off with tonight. And get it to click there. Here's the truth. If your home is going to be a godly home, it must not be void of biblical teaching. So if we're gonna if we're gonna be have godly homes, then then there has to be some biblical teaching going on in there. We we need to be leading our homes, moms and dads. We need to be leading our homes in the Lord. We need to be teaching the scriptures at home. The biblical precedent that we're gonna look at briefly tonight is found in Deuteronomy six, four through seven. So if you want to open up to Deuteronomy six, four through seven, again I hope, I hope and pray this is a passage that we know well. But we're still going to look at it tonight and spend a few minutes in it. 
So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, the biblical precedent that this sets forth is that parents are the primary spiritual leaders for their children. You've heard us harp on that over and over and over again, and we're going to continue, and we will never depart from that at Grace. Parents, you and I are the primary spiritual leaders of our children. We're not the only spiritual leaders of our children, but we are the primary spiritual leaders of our children. Listen to what Moses writes in Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. This is, this is a classic passage that teaches us a lot of things. It, the very first verse there, the, uh, verse 4, is known as the Shema. It, it's the Hebrew for hear, and it, it called the people into worship. It called their attention. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was a daily reminder that they served the one true God. They lived in a polytheistic culture, a culture that had many gods surrounding them just like we do. But they worship one God. They're monotheists. They worship the one true God. And so they would recite this daily. It was a, the, a special, special uh, verse, of, a passage, a statement uh, for the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Now, Moses goes on to make a statement there. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's a call to what? It's a call to wholeheartedly love God. Now, a lot of you are familiar with this. What is the greatest commandment? When Jesus is confronted by the teacher of the law, and he comes and he says, hey, what's the greatest commandment? I'm going to trip him up. I'm going to make him pick one. There's a lot of commandments. They're all of God, and we talk about them all the time. So, hey, Jesus, which one's the greatest? And so he, he knows he has Jesus in a corner. He, he's, he's got him. He, he's nailed him to the wall. You, you can see him kind of smirking here, going, all right, how are you going to do, do with this one? And what does Jesus reply? Yeah, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your strength, right? So he, he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 4. He says, listen, the greatest commandment is the one that you recite every day. It's, it's the one that, that is tied around, uh, around your doorpost. It's the one that you know. It's the one that, that you say constantly. That's the greatest commandment, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's the greatest commandment. If you love God wholeheartedly, then man, everything else, that's, that's going to take care of itself. All the other commandments are going to fall right into place with that. That is the greatest commandment, is wholehearted love of God. So the question for us foremost is, are we homes, parents, are we loving God with all of our heart? Are we loving God with all of our soul, with all of our might? As he says in verse 6, what does he say? These words which I am commanding you today shall be where? On your heart. On your heart. Deuteronomy 6 lies in, in, in the context of, of Moses. A lot of people say this is kind of Moses' last sermon. It's his last words. He's bringing everything back in and back together for the people as he's getting ready to depart. At the end of Deuteronomy, he, he dies, right? And so he's bringing it all together, these last words. And he says, he says, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, parents. If we're going to lead godly homes, if we're going to teach the word and study the word at home, then we have to have a love for God. It has to be on our hearts first. So the question is, is my heart set upon the Lord? 
is my heart set upon the Lord. The children in this room, or in the back there, the young people, the teens that gather here every week, they don't need parents and adults that tell them, and tell them only, to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. They need parents and adults surrounding them that they tell them to do that, but they also show them what it looks like to do it. And so as we consider that in our homes, we need to be showing our kids what does it look like to love God. Dad, Dad's not perfect, but man, he, he loves God. He loves Him. And he, he's, he's following after Him. He, he's seeking to live for His glory. So first of all, that's the first thing we learn from this passage, is that it's a wholehearted love for God to which we're called. All right, verse 7. How do we teach the Word of God to our children? How do we teach the Word of God to our children? I'm going to flip these around just because of the nature of what we're doing tonight. If you look at the end of verse 8, he says first, he says, You shall teach them diligently to your sons and, and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So the first way he would say is you disciple your, ch- your children as you go. As you go. That's that, he says that in the, the end of verse 7. If you're going just right through the verse, he first says what? You shall teach them diligently. But then he says, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise up. As you go about the course of your daily life, just teach your children about God. So how do we, how do we teach our, our kids about the Lord? We, we just weave Scripture into the fabric of our lives. So when we're riding down the road in the minivan, talk about Scripture. When, when you see the sunset, talk about the glory of God. Is that idealistic? No. Man, the heavens declare the glory of God. Why don't we point that out? When we have an issue going on or we hear something crazy on the radio or we see that wreck, and we got in a conversation uh, last Sunday as we saw a wreck, and we're normally coming through about that time, and we, we got in a conversation as a family about God's providence because we, we always go through that time coming after church, and we kind of got tied up here a lo- little longer than we thought, and we had forgotten something from the store. We had to go through the store, and through the course of all that, we came up on the wreck. And we say, you know, I don't know. We may not have been in it. We still may have missed it, but we might not have. But praise God that for his providence. You know, we just kind of talk about the things God's doing as we go about our daily lives. All right, the second, or actually the first way he says, but the second one for us tonight, is that we disciple our children diligently. We disciple them diligently. The, the word that he uses here actually means to sharpen or to, to wet a sore, but here the way it's used is a very intensive manner. That, that some people, you, you, some of your translations may say impress them on your children, impress what you've learned, what you know, what you believe, impress these words upon your children, or repeat them again and again. It's an intensive action. Listen to what one commentator says. I, I love this image, how he describes the meaning of this word. He says, The image is that of the engraver of a monument who takes hammer and chisel in hand and with painstaking care etches a text into the face of a solid slab of granite. The sheer labor of such a task is daunting indeed. But once done, the message is there to stay. I love that picture when we think about how we teach our children and how do we, how do we make our homes, homes where the, the Word of God is, is paramount, where it, where it is essential, where, it, where it's a vital part of our, our homes so that when people leave our homes, they know the Word of God is important to us, and it's been, it's been etched upon their heart and engraved upon their heart from the intensive teaching that we've taken part in with them. 
Okay, this is at the point where I think all of us have found that, that maybe it starts becoming a little intimidating. Or maybe this is where we start rolling excuses out and we start thinking about teaching God's Word at home. Uh, you, a lot of you remember, if you're in the student ministry, for sure you remember this, but my doctoral project was doing, uh, providing 13 weeks of family devotions for parents of adolescents. And so we sat down and said, okay, here, we're going to focus on the diligent teaching of our children. And here are the devotions, and we're going to go through them, right? And so we did that, and we talked about it. In the course of that, the beginning and the end, we talked about how difficult that was and, and all the things. Sometimes they're just excuses we make. Sometimes they're just really honest-to-goodness challenges with trying to balance everything going on and, and carving out and making the time, prioritizing the time, and, and just maintaining that commitment to teaching the Word at home. But this is just where we struggle sometimes, and that's why I want to spend most of our time on this tonight. So I, what I want to do is I want to give you some basic tips for studying the Word of God. And I emphasize basic on this because this is just going to skim the surface. There's so much more that can be said. And I know probably as a part of our discipleship training, we'll, we'll have some more classes on studying the Scriptures. And Scott led a class um, a, few, well, a couple months ago on how do you study God's Word, how do you interpret the Scriptures. And it was very in-depth. And we'll do that again. And I would encourage you to be a part of that at some time uh, to, to make sure you know how to accurately and faithfully study the Word. But tonight, I want to give you just a few really basic tips to get you rolling as you study the Word at home. Because the reality is this, is that the, the, our faithfulness to study the Word as individuals is going to influence the way we can teach it to our children and teach it to our peers or to our spouse, whatever it is, whatever your home uh, is, the makeup is. All right, so the first thing that I would say is read it right. Read it right. There's two very simple things, two initial steps you can take to make sure you're reading the, the scriptures right. One is pick a good translation. Pick a good translation. Um, most of you know we, we would recommend the New American Standard. That's what we preach from. Uh, another really good one that's a little easier to read is the English Standard Version. Uh, both of those are very good translations of the Bible uh, that I would recommend you using. The second thing would be to read with a purpose. Read with a purpose. I, I am shocked at how often I, I talk to somebody and ask them about something they go well you know I, I was just thinking I, I wanted you know to, to to find something and, and to read the bible so I just flipped it open and started reading or or you say well what are you studying are you reading the word yeah 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 what do you, well, what are you reading well I just kind of turned to something and just start reading and the problem with that is you have no idea what's going on in the context I, I would never ever pick up any kind of book and just flop it open and start reading but for some reason, we tend to think that we can do that with the Scriptures. We just can flip it open and, and start reading and, and have understanding of what it means. You know? And, and, and what happens is we come away and we're confused at best. And at worst, we, we start applying Scripture and using it out of context. And so we need to make sure that we're reading with a purpose. Sit down and start at the beginning of a book and just read through the book at your own speed. You don't have to read eight chapters a day. You don't have to read a chapter a day. But have a purpose. Work through that book and go through it so you have a good understanding of what's going on in that, in that book. Here's the second thing I would say. Is ask the right questions. Ask the right questions. Remember this. Remember, Scripture is truth. It's truth. And if it's truth, that means there's always an original meaning and a timeless principle that's true. There's always a timeless principle that's true. So don't fall into the to me, it means trap that never looks at the original meaning of the text. 
Don't, don't fall into that where you just look at something and you go, oh, well, well, to me, this means, that's the, the classic thing that happens when you get into a small group where it's just completely discussion-oriented, there's no teaching that goes on, when you just sit down and somebody goes, okay, let's read it, now what do you think about this? And everybody goes, well, to me it means this, and to me it means that, and to me it means this, and to me it means that, and the, the facilitator says, oh, well, that's great, okay, now let's look at the next verse. And it's like, well, what did it mean, you know? Did it mean anything? Is it just our interpretation? Is that what it means? What does it mean? What is the truth? So ask the right questions. Here are a few I put on your sheets there. Now, who? Think about the who, what, where, why, right? So who? Who wrote it? Who are the main characters? Who originally read it? So who was it written to? What? What does this mean? What, what was the meaning of what the writer says there? What's the main point? What's happening in the text? So what's going on before and after? The context. Know what, what's going on in the life of that passage. Where? Where was the author? I love I mean, the meaning. We talked a little bit about that this morning. But man, it, that gives profound meaning to know where Paul was when he writes to Timothy, doesn't it? To know that, man, he, he's in chains. He's in prison. That, that really influences the meaning of what he's writing. Uh, where were the readers? Where, who was he writing to? What was their situation in life? Um, where did it take place when he wrote? Why? why? Why did the author write this to them? What was going on? What were they struggling with? Why is this important? So, so why, did, why did Paul write uh, what he did in 1 Corinthians 13? What was going on? The, the church was struggling. Man, so he, he talks about how do you love one another? How do you love one another? What is true Christian love among the body of Christ? Know what's going on in the text. Ask the right questions. Next, stay centered on God. Stay centered on God or stay focused on God. The ultimate purpose of all that God does is to bring glory to himself. Boy, that's kind of small, isn't it? All right. The ultimate purpose of all that God does is to bring glory to himself. So the ultimate purpose of the Bible is to bring glory to God by teaching us about him and how to live a life that brings glory to him. Right? So, so don't approach and sit down with Scripture and just say, hey, what's this mean for me? What's it mean for me? Don't just get focused on me every time we sit, on, sit down with Scripture. It tells us about God. It's God's revelation of himself to man. So in every passage, the first thing I do is say, hey, what does this tell me about God? What does this tell me about God? I'm not going to sit down with a passage of Scripture and first go, okay, let me apply this to my life without ever saying, hey, what does this reveal to me about God? I think a classic example of this is the Ten Commandments. We're so quick to go, oh, well, this tells me not to do this and not to do that and to do this and not do that. But every one of those tell us an important truth about God. That, that you know, Don't lie. Why? why? Why is that meaningful to God to say don't lie? Well, it's because God is truth. God's truth. And, and we can go through every, every one of the Ten Commandments. And what he instructs us to do teaches us something about him. It teaches us more about who he is. All right, next. Well, there's some questions on your sheet there. Yes, we should zip through, but you can look at those questions. What, what do I learn about his purpose? What do I learn about his will? What do I learn about his activity among his people? What do I learn about his character? Just some good questions to ask about what God's revealing about himself in Scripture. Next, apply the word. Apply the word. We don't need to spend too much time on here because I know you remember all of our sermons perfectly. So uh, we preached on James 1, 22 to 25 about six or eight months ago. And so I know you don't don't need to really hit this point very much. Uh, but James says what? To be doers of the word, right? To apply it. Don't, don't, 
Come to the scriptures, read it, and then go and, and live however you want to. Come to the scriptures, read it, submit to it, and live accordingly. Right? So apply the word. So think about, think about some of the, the questions that you can, you can ask yourself when you think about applying the word. Is there a promise that I can claim? Is it telling me to praise God for something? Is it calling me to change something I'm doing? Is it calling me to start doing something I'm not doing? Is it showing me a sin to avoid or to confess? What, what is God calling? What is the, the appropriate response? When we encounter this passage of Scripture, what is the appropriate response for us out of that? All right. So teaching the Word of God at home. Teaching the Word of God at home. Here's what I would tell you. Is that you, as you do, sorry, let me back up. As you consider teaching the Word of God at home, knowing what you need to know is half the battle, Right? So G.I. Joe, if any of you guys that are my age watch G.I. Joe when you were little, G.I. Joe would always have a principle or a little, a little learning lesson at the end of their cartoons, and they'd say, knowing is half the battle, right? Does anybody remember that? Two. All right, Jason and Scott. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, appreciate it. Well, G.I. Joe always said knowing is half the battle. And I, I think the same thing is true here. When we think about teaching the Word of God at home, I think knowing what you need to know is half the battle. And here's what I mean by that. You do not have to know all the answers. Parents, you don't have to be a, a seminary professor. You don't have to be J.I. Packer. And J.I. Packer doesn't know all the answers. I mean, you know this guy, man, he's a, a great theologian. And there's times where somebody asks him a question, he has to go, I don't know. Because he's not God. None of us in here are God. You don't have to know all the answers. Listen, your job is not to graduate your kids from seminary. That's not your job. I'm not attempting to raise seminary-trained kids when they leave my home. I want them to know the Lord, but you know what? I want to simply teach them to love God. I want to teach them to follow Him and to grow in faith. That's what I want to teach them. And so you don't have to know all the answers. There's things, listen, my kids ask me questions and I go, I don't know, let me look at that. <laughs> you know, let me go read something and find out. I don't know all the answers. I just don't. But sometimes I think we think we need to know all the answers, and so when we think about teaching scriptures, especially parents of teenagers, because, man, teenagers can ask some, some pretty wicked questions, man, because they're thinking, right? Especially the teens here, man, they're thinking deep, right? We're putting a lot of stuff in front of them, and you're going, man, I don't know apologetics. What if my kids ask me something about apologetics? Or what if somebody, what if they ask me something about Hinduism? Well, if they do, they do. Find the answer for them. Say, I don't know, but I'll find the answer. I don't know, let's go talk to one of the pastors. You know, you don't have to know all the answers. I think you're, the, the truth you need to know from that is this, is that your kids are going to be more impacted by seeing you teach the Word and listening to you teach them how you're following God and showing, you, showing them your love for God than they are by your intellectual knowledge of every aspect of God's Word. The, the, the resounding impact on their life is going to be the fact that mom or dad loves God. And they felt it was a priority to teach me Scripture as best as they could. And they tried to be faithful to do it, and they were trying to grow and learn, and they just sought to teach me the Word of God. The second thing you need to know is that you do need to know what the Bible is. And that's why we're doing the summit. You do need to know what the Bible is. There's no excuse for us to say, well, I don't really know if the Bible's inspired or not. 
Listen, we are people who have been transformed by the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is revealed through scripture. We need to know what the scriptures are. I listed there for you just some key passages that you can go back and look at. A lot of them we talked about this morning. All of them, actually, except for 2 Peter 1. So we're not going to review all this, but think about what we talked about this morning. Think about what Pastor Bill preached on this morning about the scriptures guarding your heart and mind and how that, that protects you from false worldviews and philosophies that can creep in. Think about those things. All right. I, I gave you a sheet because we didn't want to take too long of time. One reason we're changing our schedule uh, for the summit is because we want to allow more time for the breakouts. So what I did is instead of going through all this with you, I, I typed out, or didn't type out, I just put a sheet in here that some of you who are parents of teens have seen before, um, but it's how to lead a family devotion. And it just goes through and says, this is how you teach the scriptures to you. And it, it lists some challenges uh, that are present when you consider leading a family devotion. Um, everything from attitude to time to age differences and experience, discouragement, distractions, some things that sometimes we don't think about, but they're really present within us when we start thinking about how do I teach the scriptures at home. And so things that we need to be aware of and that we want you to understand that when you consider teaching the word, you need to be aware of these things. And on the back of that, it talks about just here's some tips for leading family devotions and some things that you can get rolling on. And so look through that. Um, two essential elements of family devotions, reading the Bible and prayer. A lot of people are going to add other things in that. But man, if I had to boil it down to just do, just do this, I would say, man, read the scripture together and pray together. If you don't do anything else, there's times when we do that. Uh, there's times where the other night we were going to do family devotion. I had a, a devotion guide that I was going to lead through. And, and I don't remember what happened, but it was just like whatever. And I said, all right, uh, read that passage. We read it and we prayed and we were done. You know, um, there's times where that's appropriate. That's, there's times where that's the best thing you can do. Um, the, the faith talk, you know, we, there's a reason we do the faith talk. It, it starts with be together and then read together and then learn together, talk together, pray together and apply together, right? Six different things. You don't have to do all those. If you, if you can only do one thing, read the scripture together and pray together, you know? Otherwise, do, do parts of it here and there, but use that faith talk to piggyback off the sermon each week and study the word at home, all right? Good deal. Well, uh, let me pray with you, and we're gonna go to our breakout sessions. If you have any questions about where to go, one of the uh, pastoral staff will be out here, and we can direct you where to go, basically go to the back of the building, unless you're going to Bill's, go to the choir room. But if you go to the back of the building, you'll see somebody standing there, and they can get you in your class, okay? Um, teenagers are back in the uh, youth room, and children will go to the children's area. Right, Scott? Um, if you're here as a couple and you want to go to two, divide and conquer. That way you can hit two different ones. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the, the blessing it is. And God, what we've spoken of today is, just that it's sufficient uh, for all that we need to know and as far as knowing you and living for you and how it guards our hearts and minds uh, from the attacks of Satan. So God, we pray that you would bless every home represented here. Uh, God, make, make the scripture an essential aspect of our homes. God, we pray your blessing now as we go to small groups and I pray that you would use these breakout sessions for our good and your glory. In Christ's name, amen.